and good times. TheCooperageProject.org And from listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org Hello, 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 and welcome to The Local Edition, news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricio Robayo. It's Friday on The Local Edition. We made it through the week. Congratulations. Thank you for joining me on your Friday evening. We have a packed show, so let's get straight to it. In the second half of the show, we'll be checking in with singer and songwriter Owen Walsh about his new album, and his farewell concert is happening tonight at the Cooperage Project. But first, it's Friday on the local edition, and every other Friday we check in with the Times Union to see what they're working on in the Hudson Valley. Philip Pontuso is the managing editor, and he's on the phone with us now. Philip, welcome to the program. We have a strange case that's happened recently that's unfolded this week in Sullivan County about a missing person. And uh, what can you tell us about this this case? Yeah, this is a really wild story, um, and it's a case that got national attention back in 2013 when it first came to light. So there's a man named Robert Hoagland who was living with his wife, and, and um, they had three grown children. Uh, they were living in Newtown, Connecticut. In the summer of 2013, he essentially vanished. He was due to pick up his wife at JFK Airport in New York City. He never showed up. He was last seen on security camera footage at a gas station the previous day where he bought a map. And um, earlier that day, he also took out some $600 in cash. He left his phone, his wallet, all of his identification, all of that stuff at home. And there have been a couple of unconfirmed sightings since then, but no one knew, knew what happened to this guy. Well, turns out on Sunday or Monday of this week, a man living by the name Richard King died in Rock Hill there in Sullivan County. And when police responded to a call placed by his roommate that he was having a medical emergency, they went into his room. They discovered that he had died in his sleep. Um, He would have been about 60 years old. And they found paperwork with the name Robert Hoagland. So the roommate was like, oh, I've never heard this name before. I knew him as Richard King. He punched that name into Google, found all of these articles and TV documentaries and podcasts about the missing persons case and recognized the man that he knew as Richard King, who had been his roommate for uh, the better part of nine years by that point. So that was how police (laughs) discovered or closed this missing persons case. The Sullivan County Sheriff's Department called out Newtown detectives from Connecticut who came over, conducted, you know, a couple of interviews, search of the house, and essentially closed their nine-year investigation into this into this missing person. I and another reporter on my team, uh, Lana Bellamy, we were out in Rock Hill yesterday talking to folks there, talking to uh, other people who knew a man they, they, they called Rich, um, Richard King, but whose real name was Robert Hoagland. And we're, we're working on a story about what his life was like in New York, where he seems to have been living for the last nine years, pretty much since he went missing from Connecticut. So I, don't, I can't share too much more right now, but 
stay tuned to the Times Union for, for a story about that sometime yes. next week. This is definitely a strange case, and I'm glad you are investigating it and finding out exactly what happened. And like I said, there's already been a podcast already made about it, but it definitely lends itself to a sort of uh, a TV show almost type of deal, like something like you would see in Forensic Files. Yeah, there's, there's the, the TV docuseries Disappeared did an episode on this case, I think back in 2018. Um, so uh, <laughs> they thought it was fit for TV as well. Yeah, it's really, I, I think that there's, there's certainly a vein of tragedy in this story because, you know, we don't know the reason yet why he left. Certainly it must have been something rather, <laughs> rather compelling to, to force him to leave behind a family uh, without a trace. And then, of course, his, his wife and his three kids, um, as far as we know, had no idea what happened to him. And so they've just been living with this uncertainty for, for nine and a half years now at this point. The wife has remarried. It, it seems like there have been some attempts to move on. And hopefully, you know, this, this brings a little bit of closure to what must be a really painful uh, story. Yeah, like I said, it is a strange story, but it's also a tragic story. And uh, I look forward to reading more about the story and exactly what happened to this guy and why did he leave and why did he, like you said before, leave his family behind. Now let's turn into some energy news. There's problems with Central Hudson billing, and it looks like uh, some payments are going to go out. What's going on there, Philip? Yeah, so there are, there are actually two investigations into Central Hudson ongoing concurrently um, for a botched rollout of a new billing system that they uh, that they put into place in September of 2021. The, those investigations are being conducted by the State Public Service Commission. Um, and that's looking at Central Hudson's billing practices. Central Hudson is also part of a larger investigation by the State uh, Investigations Committee in the Senate, which is also looking at high bills from other utilities across the state. So we don't know if any fines are going to result from that just yet. But the news here is that um, earlier this week on Monday, a utility consumer advocacy group called the Public Utility Project filed a, a motion with the State Public Service Commission requesting what's called a prudence review, which would determine if Central Hudson spent money inappropriately in a way that harmed its customers as part of this billing system rollout. And with that motion, they um, they want to ensure that Central Hudson stakeholders or shareholders, sorry, pay any fines that result from either of these investigations, rather than what I think, uh, you know, they're concerned about and I'm sure certain customers are concerned about those fines being passed on uh, to customers in the form of rate hikes. That's something we've been, uh, that's something that Roger Hennig and Gilson has been reporting on regularly since these investigations were opened earlier this year. You know, we'll continue to keep following the story and publish any updates that we're able to learn. Another story we definitely had to keep track on. Now, moving on to healthcare. There was, I believe, polio found in the wastewater during the summer months here in Sullivan County. You're reporting that polio virus is still circulating around in this area. What can you tell us about this? Recent data from state and federal health agencies that look at wastewater samples um, show that in the wastewater of Rockland, Sullivan, and Orange counties, the polio virus still seems to be circulating. So there were 94 samples collected between March and mid-November that have tested positive for polio across those three counties. 
most of those positive tests are genetically linked to the strain of the disease that partially paralyzed the 20-year-old Rockland County man this summer. You know, that case got a lot of attention. It was sort of the first confirmed case of polio in the state in several decades. And then since then, they've been testing the wastewater for it and have found that the virus is at least circulating, which means that, you know, it's, it's moving through people's bodies, even if they haven't gotten quite infected yet, or at least known, uh, known infections. So certainly pretty alarming. It doesn't seem to be circulating in the wastewater of other counties as far as we know right now. It's just in Rockland, Sullivan, and Orange. Definitely, you know, anybody listening to this, if you didn't get your polio vaccine yet as a kid, make sure you have it now. Uh, it's probably more important to have that now than it's been any time in the last uh, half decade almost. So certainly alarming and something we'll be keeping an eye on as well. Yes, definitely. It definitely is alarming that this is still circulating. I remember speaking to a doctor over the summer talking about the surge of polio virus and the reasons why it was coming back again. And he, he or she, I believe, I'm not sure who it was, mentioned that the rise could be attributed to the new wave of anti-vaxxers, those who were against vaccines, even before the pandemic, not nothing to do with pandemics, just a slow rise of people, less folks getting vac vaccinated as young kids. That's a factor that public health officials have mooted as, as a possibility for what is causing the mild resurgence of polio, um, which is why I'm urging everybody, you know, normally I don't take political opinions, but I think we're all safe to say that vaccines, especially one as tested and approved in, in regulation as polio vaccine, uh, everybody should, should get that if they're able to. Definitely good advice. We were talking to Philip Pontuso from the Times Union, letting us know what's happening in our neck of the woods. Philip, thank you so much for talking to us. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much, Patrizia. Thank you so much, Philip, for that. We'll be right back talking to singer and songwriter Owen Walsh. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Welcome back to The Local Edition. Singer and songwriter Owen Walsh is leaving Sullivan County. I had a chance to speak to him earlier about why that is. Here's my conversation with Owen Walsh. Hozo native Owen Walsh is a singer and songwriter. He has a new album coming out today. Radio Casco might remember Owen as a regular contributor as a reporter for The River Reporter. He's been on the local edition and the reporter's roundtable. Today, he's releasing his new album, and he's also doing a farewell concert. Walsh is leaving the state and moving to Asheville, North Carolina. He's on the program now to talk about his music, his process, and why he's moving. Owen, welcome back to the program. Hey, Patricio. Thanks so much for having me. So that's the first question I have for you. Why are you moving, Owen? Yeah, it's a uh, fair question for sure. Uh, so I was actually 
born in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, um, on right on North Main Street and uh, uh, just a little outside of downtown Honesdale. And uh, I attended Honesdale High School, um, you know, moved away briefly uh, to go to Ithaca College uh, between 2015 and 2019. But then after I graduated from Ithaca, going there for journalism and music, I came back and became, as you mentioned, a reporter for the River Reporter newspaper uh, covering Wayne County, Pennsylvania news uh, for a number of years. And I was also a gigging musician during that time, kind of, uh, you know, playing at pretty much any venue uh, that I could get a gig at um, over those uh, several years. And, um, you know, I just feel like they're kind of reached a point where, um, you know, I still love doing uh, the type of music I do here in Honesdale and throughout Wayne County and parts of Sullivan County as well. And, uh, you know, this will always be, you know, my musical home where I, you know, uh, you know, kind of first dip my toe into live performance. But uh, I think I'm just kind of ready to, you know, explore another part of the country and, uh, you know, hopefully get my music out to a bit of a broader audience. I guess just meet new musicians and also get into some new venues, maybe experience some new types of music that might inform, you know, the style of songs that I write. And just kind of, uh, yeah, just really broaden my horizons, both for myself and for the people that I can hopefully reach with my music. I read in the article that was at River Reporter, and you talked about the moment you picked up your father's old guitar that hasn't seen the light of day in years. And this sparked something in you. And you wanted to sort of, I guess, this started the journey of you being in music. Who influenced you early on in your musical career? Really, the first uh, place I should start is by saying that my very first musical experience was taking violin lessons, which I started doing at the age of three. I really just kind of stuck with, you know, the traditional classical violin lessons from that very young age all the way through about middle school until I was just about a teenager. And as you mentioned, it was right around that time, I think I was going into high school or about to go into high school. And I just found my dad's old Epiphone six string uh, guitar, acoustic guitar in the closet. And because I had, you know, taking violin lessons for so long, I was able to pretty much transfer, you know, what I had learned reading music and uh, being able to decipher the notes on the, uh, you know, a stringed instrument. And um, along with the discovery of that old guitar, my dad's songbooks from when he was growing up in the 60s and 70s uh, and some of the artists who were really popular back then, such as Paul McCartney and Wings, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, you know, Bob Dylan, uh, James Taylor, uh, just kind of all these kind of folky, uh, you know, pop singers from the 60s and 70s. Well, I don't know the spell you're under, but it kind of makes me wonder you ever let the sunlight get into your eyes hmm. do you still play your father's guitar yeah i do it's um a very uh interesting guitar in the sense that um this is kind of i guess only for guitar geeks but uh you know where the um neck of the guitar connects to the body of the guitar usually there's like a little piece of wood that it, uh, kind of connects it and if you are trying to play way high up on the neck of the guitar on the fretboard that piece of wood that's connecting the two things gets in the way. But uh, this guitar, they, you know, kind of bolted it uh, on the other side of it so that like you have extra space to really, you know, get your hand all the way up and play high up there. So 
you know, not that I would ever consider selling the guitar, but I've been sold by some other guitar aficionados that it's kind of a special one just because you don't really see that type of uh, manufacturing too often. So, so you pick up the guitar, you figure out that, hey, I can play this. You learn how to play the guitar. You learn these songs. How do you figure out that you could sing and you could write your own songs? So the uh, singing was kind of along with the, uh, you know, finding those old uh, 60s and 70s songbooks. Uh, the way they're laid out is they have the guitar tablature, uh, tablature as well as the musical notation. But because all those songs have lyrics to them, they also have the lyrics that go right along with the guitar chords uh, in the book. And, uh, you know, it started out almost as just kind of making sure that I was playing the right notes. I would kind of be quietly singing the melodies of these old songs to myself as I'm strumming the guitar, uh, just to make sure, you know, because uh, I know what these songs are supposed to sound like. So I kind of sing it to myself while I'm strumming the strings of this guitar and kind of figuring out, you know, is this, uh, am I playing this the right way, essentially? You know, I didn't think of myself as a singer. I never, never uh, saw myself that way. So it was almost embarrassing, uh, the idea of, you know, someone watching me while I'm singing. And, uh, you know, I would later find out that my family was always, uh, you know, aware of what was going on, that, you know, I wasn't really being as secretive and stealthy as I thought. But, you know, that was really where it all started was just kind of saying those melodies quietly to myself. And, you know, just the more I did it, the more uh, accustomed I became to singing and playing at the same time. And uh, I'm kind of thankful now that uh, I that is just by chance how I learned how to play guitar, because there's a lot of guitarists nowadays who they've been playing guitar for years and years. But, you know, now they're trying to incorporate singing into their guitar playing to do both at the same time. And it's kind of, you know, like uh, trying to do two different things with your hands. Like it's a little kind of a trick for your brain to be able to do both things without one thing messing up the other. And eventually you made it out of the bedroom and started going to playing live shows and getting out there and performing live. How was it to perform for the first time and getting that response from the audience? Yeah, so the very first time I ever performed publicly was at my high school talent show. I was a junior in high school. Uh, like I said before, I was attending Honesdale, uh, Honesdale High School, and it was the uh, Spirit Week talent show. And there's about roughly a thousand kids in my school. so. Uh, kind of a big first step to go from, you know, just performing only in my bedroom to performing in front of a thousand people, you know, high school peers, no less, who, uh, you know, will likely make fun of you if you get up there and, uh, you know, do an awful job. It was just kind of on a whim. I decided I'm just going to do it. You know, I've been uh, quietly singing to myself for years and why not just give it a shot and see how it goes. And the response that I got was really uh, kind of um, overwhelmingly positive. Uh, you know, it really just kind of, uh, spurred in me this uh, realization that uh, I really like the pressure of being on stage, everyone watching me, being under, you know, feeling the heat of the lights uh, shining on me, kind of that nervous sweating. Uh, some people, you know, get out there and feel all those things and kind of get stage fright. And uh, when they come off stage, they're like, all right, I never want to experience that again. Where for me, it was almost kind of like a drug. It was like addicting, you know, not even like in an egotistical way like uh, that. I was just like, oh, everyone's watching me because I'm, you know, the greatest person ever and everyone should be watching me. It was more just, you know, feeling that kind of pressure and that kind of uh, a good type of anxiety to really uh, rise to the occasion was something that I really uh, felt like I flourished under. I'm sure it could be like sort of an out-of-body experience walking on stage and performing live. Absolutely. You sort of cease becoming the Owen Walsh that everyone knows. You become Owen Walsh, their singer and songwriter. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's definitely like, uh, you know, some like artists, like more uh, accomplished artists than me, for sure. But they, uh, you know, talk about actually having like alter egos that they have when they're out on stage versus like who they are just with their friends and family. Uh, and, you know, I've never uh, taken it that far, far where I like, you know, literally have like a kind of character that I'm playing on stage or a different name that I go by when I'm out there. But I definitely understand the impulse uh, behind that because it does kind of feel like uh, two separate people sometimes because uh, as anyone who knows me pretty well will tell you uh, in uh, just interpersonal communication, I'm not the t- kind of person who's like a life of the party or trying to, you know, I'm not always, I don't always need a lot of attention on me. I'm not always the loudest person in a room or in a conversation, but there's, you know, when I'm out on stage, I kind of like the fact that, you know, all the pressure is on me. So it's uh, kind of an interesting dichotomy between, uh, it's almost like having multiple personalities in a way. You have a song on one of your latest albums, Owen Cole, uh, called Waiting on Johnny Cash. And I wanted to use this sort of an example and talk about your process of songwriting and using that song. What sort of came first? Was the lyrics, was the music, or did it all come together at the same time? I always have a little trouble answering the question because understandably, people always want to know what comes first, the music or the words. And uh, the only reason it's tough to answer sometimes is because it almost happens at the same time in a weird way. It never comes or very rarely comes out as a finished product, either, you know, half of it, uh, half of it comes out as a finished product right away. In my own songwriting process, it usually always happens the same way where I'm, you know, just kind of sitting around strumming my guitar kind of mindlessly, you know, almost uh, simultaneously as like a little melody just kind of starts coming together in my head based on the chords I happen to be playing at that moment. I just start voicing that melody and kind of whatever words come out as I'm just bringing that melody, you know, out of my mouth just to make it something I can hear. So it's not just in my head. Uh, for that song you mentioned, Waiting on Johnny Cash, which is on uh, my Owen Co. EP that came out a couple months ago with my uh, band here in Homestale. That was something that I wrote uh, when I was still in college. It was winter break and I was uh, just kind of sitting around my house strumming my guitar. Probably the the first line of the song is, uh, well, my friends have all moved on and my love, she's long gone. Well, my friends have all moved on. Which uh, is not like, you know, a really uh, true account of anything I was going through at that point. It's not like I had suddenly lost all my friends and like, you know, my... uh, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me at that point. Like, n- none of that actually happened, but it was right. winter break and all, uh, for whatever reason, the college I went to had like a much longer winter break than any of uh, the other people I went to high school with. So, so it's probably that kind of feeling of, you know, it wasn't like my friends had really all left me, like we weren't friends anymore, but, you know, it was just kind of this funny feeling of like, uh, you know, uh, I was like the only person my age left in Honesdale uh, all of a sudden. So. Your new album, On My Way, is, is going to be debuted this Friday, December 9th at the Cooperage Project. It's called On My Way. Uh, did you set out to... Do you do you set out to make a record, or is it 
happens like when you have a collection of songs already, like a five, six songs together. And I say, yeah, this could be an album. Or do you go out and say, hey, I want to make an album? You know, this. so this is my first full-length album. It's going to be 12 songs. And it was the beginning of this year uh, uh, of tw- 2022 that uh, a friend of mine and I um, got together and decided that we, we are going to set out and try to make this album. You know, I really had no idea how long it was going to take to uh, accomplish this. Um, and uh, he actually asked me, uh, it was probably like February of 2022, you know, what's your like deadline? Like, when are you hoping to have this released by? And I kind of said in a tongue in cheek way, well, you know, as long as it's before 2023, uh, I'll be fine with that, you know, and I was kind of joking because I didn't think it was really, I thought it'd take like a month or two months, maybe. And now here we are at, uh, you know, December of 2022, and we're, we're finally releasing it. So uh, you're playing your tonight, you're playing your farewell concert at the Cooper's Project. This isn't the first time you performed there, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, quite a few times. That was, uh, aside from the, uh, talent show that in, at high school that I talked about, the Coopers was probably one of my first, uh, public performances. I used to go to their open mics. Yeah. Without the Cooperage, uh, I don't know where I'd be as far as, uh, musical performance goes. So it's nice to kind of end my, uh, you know, run of, uh, live performances locally at the Cooperage again. If folks want to see your concert that's happening tonight at seven o'clock, where can they go? Uh, so you can probably go to the Cooperage's website, but, uh, I'm just going to plug the URL code that I know uh, by heart, which is owenwalshmusic.com. You know, I just want to say, um, to any, uh, of the community members who are listening, whether they were, you know, readers of, uh, my work in the river reporter, or if they've, you know, come out to my, uh, shows as a musician, uh, you know, I really just appreciate every single one of them, uh, because, you know, both of my, uh, um, both of my endeavors in life, uh, whether musically or journalistically are totally driven by, uh, the audience in either respect. And, uh, you know, um, it's certainly uh, been rewarding to, uh, pursue both, uh, aspects of my life in such a great community, uh, whether Sullivan County or Wayne County, uh, they're, they both will always be home to me. We're talking to Owen Walsh, singer and songwriter. His new album's coming out today, and he's doing a farewell concert at the Coverage Project. Owen, thank you so much for joining us on the local edition, and we hope to hear from you in the future. Let us know what's happening in your new state and what's happening with your musical career. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm going away somewhere sunny I'm going away this afternoon I'm going to fly Sunday morning And you won't be hearing from me, baby Anytime soon Thank you so much for that interview. Owen, you can hear the full interview. It's actually 20, we actually spoke for like 26 minutes. You can hear the full interview on our website. Visit wjffradio.org. Right in the front page has the local edition. You hear, listen to Owen Walsh while he's saying goodbye. Click on that. It'll take you to a page. And right there, you hear the full interview, 26 minutes. We'll be back on Monday with Jason Dole and myself. We're talking to the Sullivan County. Communications manager, Dan Hoos, about the warming shelters, warming shelters that are open now in Monticello. And all the details about that and the fact that the county passed the budget. We 
talk, and he will be talking about the Sullivan County's 250 committee formed to celebrate Independence Day. And also, I'll be I'll be talking to Joseph Abraham from the Sullivan County Democrat, finding out what's happening in the pages of the Sullivan County Democrat. You've been listening to the local edition, and if you ever miss a show, guess what? We have a podcast. You can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast: Google, Apple, Stitcher. Search for WJFF, the local edition. Subscribe to share it. Tell your friends. You can find us on social media at WJFF Radio Catskill. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We post Monday through Friday on Who's on the Show around 4 o'clock. You can visit our website, wjffradio.org slash the local edition. I'll give you that one more time. WJFFradio.org slash the local edition. You can find upcoming guests, see past guests. You can even listen to the show. How great is that? You've been listening to the local edition. I've been your host, Patricia Robayo. Have a gun- good night, Lucy. Let's have a quick look at the weather. Currently, it's 33 degrees today. Tonight will be clear of low of 18 degrees. Wow. And Saturday, sunny of high of 39. On Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night, partly cloudy, low of 21. And on Sunday, light snow, high of 31. And on Sunday night, low of 25 with some light snow. Winter is coming. Bundle up. Have a great day at Dickinson in Delaware if you're going to. Or any other holiday events you're going to. Stay safe. I'll see you again next week. Actually, I'll see you again Monday on the local edition. I'm co-hosting. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Coming up is a mixtape.